Well, I shared a little bit this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So let's open again there today. I shared not on love, but I shared on knowing in part. And then today, right now, I'm going to start sharing a little bit about what it means to prophesy in part. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you anoint every single word, that you anoint every verse, that you teach us, speak to us, build this church. Help every one of us who come into our full potential, into everything that you have called us to be. We pray that your anointing will come and break yokes and deception. And we pray that you arise, O Lord, and your enemies will be scattered before you. We pray, Father, that you help me by your spirit to speak. In your strength, in your grace, in the name of Jesus, amen. So it says here that we know in part and we prophesy in part. And in 1 Corinthians in chapter 8, I'm going to read the first couple of verses when also Paul writes about what it means to know, what it truly means to know. In chapter 8, in verse 1, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. What a great verse. So he wants to teach us how to know. And the Lord, I believe, wants us to realize that we only know in part and we prophesy in part. And I want to speak a little bit about prophesying in part. I prophesied, I started prophesying, sharing words from the Lord with people since I was... um, I don't know, 19, 20, let's say 20 years old. That was 24 years ago. And this verse means a lot to me because it says that we prophesy in part. We might think that because we had a prophetic word once that we all already know how to prophesy. And we might think that because we have prophesied for 24 years that we know how to prophesy. So we can rely on our own skills, our own talents, instead of the Lord. And he would like for all of us to understand that we actually just prophesy in part. We can have the best of intentions When it comes to ministry, when it comes to sharing with people words from the Lord, encouraging people, encouraging the church. But the whole time, it's good for us to realize that we know in part and we prophesy in part. I will start by sharing what happened with Jacob a little bit. His mom, Rebecca, told him, your brother Esau has a problem with you. He wants actually to kill you. And that's a big problem. It's not just an easy thing for a mom to say that, that her two boys hate each other so much, and especially one wants to kill the other. So you should go to my relatives far away, spend time with them. And she tells her son, you're going to stay there for a short while, just a little bit of time. In Genesis, in chapter 27, in verse 44, And I have read, you can see all of my bookmarks are very interesting. But in Genesis 27, verse 44, And stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away. Until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. 
Why should I be bereaved also of you both in one day? She tells her son, stay with my relatives for a few days. Because that's how long your brother's anger is going to last. Only a few days. Let me tell you that it took years. And not just one year, two years, seven years, 14 years. Many more years. I read my Bible several times. And um, recently, as I started at the beginning of the year to read my Bible again, I, this verse just jumped from this page into my heart. It's the first time when I noticed that a mom told Jacob, you're going to stay there just for a few days. Just a few days, maybe a week. Then I'll send word that your brother now loves you. And you'll be able to come back. And I was thinking of Jacob waiting a week, a month, a year, and nothing has changed. He had to wait for many years. And his mom did not send a word because his brother was still angry with him. The Lord spoke to him, it's time to go back. He gave him a dream. He gave him instruction of what to do and what's necessary to happen. For him to be reconciled with his own brother. It took many years. At the beginning of the whole pandemic, many people said, this will pass in a week. This will be gone in a month. Just a few months. I remember listening to our pastor from Indiana. He was saying it will take at least 18 months for things to settle down a little bit. And people to understand more of what's happening. And many people in his church and in other places thought that he lost it. Why take it so long? Why would it take that long? We, when we prophesy, we can, or when we hear prophetic word, we can imagine how that word is going to come to pass. That's where we make a lot of mistakes. Because we filter that word through our own expectations and our own understanding about God and how God works. And it will happen differently. Many times it will take years for that word to come to pass. We lack patience. And patience, to be honest, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's something that we cannot make happen. But the more time we spend with the Holy Spirit, the more of that fruit is going to come up in our lives. I used to struggle a lot in traffic while driving with having patience. Everybody in my mind was driving a little bit too slow. And, and then the Lord said, where are you lacking patience? And um, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I guess I need more of the Holy Spirit. We prophesy in part. It can be not just a mom that tries to encourage her son about how long it's going to take. It can be actually a prophet that doesn't know everything. In Second Kings, in chapter 4, it talks about Elisha. A man of God, a prophet that was well known in his whole nation. He was the disciple of Elijah. He could hear God. For many years he worked under Elijah. And when Elijah went to be with the Lord... Elisha was the prophet in the nation. The most famous 
prophet, the most important prophetic voice at the time in the whole nation. Do you know how powerful he was? How well he could hear the voice of God? He could hear not only words from the Lord about somebody that was living next door, about another city or another region in his nation. He knew while the king of Syria was talking to his generals and to his main people, to his advisors in his palace, far, far away from where Elisha was. He knew things about people, about nations. He could prophesy. There is no doubt that Elisha was a prophet. Everybody called him a prophet. And in Second Kings, in chapter 4, a woman comes... To Elisha, a woman that he knew very well, they received Elisha in her house, opened the doors to her house, built a room in her house for Elisha to stay in her house. A woman that needed a son, and through a prophetic word, that miracle happened. They knew each other in the natural, kind of like friends. But still, Elisha, it says in 2 Kings 4, verse 27. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. That was Elisha's servant. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. You mean Elisha didn't know what was going on with that woman? Her son had just died. The boy that he prophesied into existence had just passed away. How is it that you don't know what's happening? Because we prophesy in part. We don't know every detail, praise God, about every person. That would be a horrible thing. I'd be like praying, Lord, bring me up to heaven very quickly. Too much information. He didn't know what was happening with his friend. What was going on in her life. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to feel like we need to prophesy about everything. Many people were asking questions. Why weren't there more prophetic words about this or about that? Let me say what Elisha said. The Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's part of our own walk with the Lord. It's part of our maturing process. And of us understanding that it's not just about me. I need to know everything. I need to be able to prophesy to everybody about everything. We are members of the body of Christ. It's not just one person that receives words from the Lord, that has insight, that has words of knowledge. We're kind of working together to get a full picture. In Second Samuel, in chapter 7, it's another story where a king by the name of David... He had on his heart to build a house for the Lord. And he shared the desire that he had with a prophet, Nathan, that was probably one of his best friends. 
They knew each other very well. And he told Nathan, I have this desire. I dwell in a house. I'm happy with my life. I, I have everything that I need. And now, I really like to build a house for God. And Nathan said to the king, go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. He told David, go and do everything. The Lord is with you, David. Just go. Probably when David started sharing his desire, Nathan was like, yes, I'm all for it. I would like for that to happen. I think it's a great project. Don't we do that many times? We tell people, that's a wonderful idea. Yes, the Lord is with you. Go and do that. Soon afterwards, though, the Lord comes to Nathan and tells him, well, Actually, it's not David that's going to build a house for me, but his son. The Lord is with you, David. He's still with you, David. But I'm coming back to tell you that plans have changed a little bit. And the Lord spoke to me and said, it's not you that's going to build a house, but your son. He will build a house for the Lord. And it says in verse 17, according to all these words and according to all the visions, so Nathan spoke to David. Nathan as a prophet, he was not embarrassed about going to David and say, yes, it was a great idea, but the Lord came and spoke to me that you shouldn't do it. He was humble enough to say, you know, I was happy together with you. We got excited about this great plan. Now let's change plans a little bit. We don't have to feel like our plans are set in stone. It takes a lot of humility sometimes to say, well, I'm okay with changing plans. How many of you like for your plans to change? My husband knows that I'm not a fan. I don't like for my plans to change. So we need to be flexible in the prophetic. We need to be teachable when we're learning about the prophetic. We need to be able to go and ask questions. In the book of Acts, this morning I shared about the time, I think it wasn't this morning, actually it was in El Dorado last night, about the time when Paul and Silas were in jail. And I talked a little bit on the jailer. But I want to talk a little bit now about Silas. Not Paul, not the jailer, but Silas. When we read the Bible, we have to think about everybody that's involved in the story. So Silas, we see that he traveled with Paul. But when he started out, in the book of Acts, in chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas were in Jerusalem. They went to get feedback from the council of the church in Jerusalem about a problem that had arisen. And he asked the elders there, what do you think about this? And everybody prayed, and then they came up with a solution. And they sent, together with Paul and Barnabas, Judas and Silas. And they called them in chapter 15 in the book of Acts, in verse 22, says, leading men among the brothers. They were leaders in the church in Jerusalem. This is the first mention of Silas. This is how we learn about him. That he was a leader of the church in Jerusalem. And when his own pastors tell him, well, why don't you go to Antioch? 
and bring the news of what we have decided. So it's not just Paul and Barnabas. It's not just the people from Antioch that come with our decision to tell them what we have decided, but it's going to be some leaders from our own church in Jerusalem to kind of confirm that this was truly our decision. They sent Judas and they sent Silas to go there. So he's willing to go. He goes there in Antioch and here we find him ministering in the church. In verse 32 it says, that Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets, also exhorted and strengthened the brothers with many words. So here he's called a prophet. Not just a leader, but a prophet. That was in the church in Antioch. And I was thinking... What was going on through Silas' mind when his own pastors told him, go to Antioch? Did he communicate with his family? I'm going to be gone for this amount of time and then I'll be back. Did he tell the other pastors, the other leaders, okay, they did not have cell phones at the time. It was not that easy to communicate. It would take days for a message to go from one place to another. So he's there in the church ministering, prophesying, encouraging people. And then Paul decides that he wants to go on another mission trip. To plant other churches, to visit other churches that he had planted before. Together with Barnabas. And he says here that. Paul doesn't want to take Barnabas with him. He's changing the team. Do we like when our team changes? Are we flexible when our team changes? Now it's not Paul and Barnabas. It says that Paul chooses Silas in verse 40. And departed being commanded by the brothers to the grace of God. A prophet that was flexible. That's how I like to think about Silas. First, he was flexible to just carry a message. A simple message. This is the church decision. Then he was willing to go and prophesy. When the door opened for him to go and minister like that. And then, when plans changed, he was willing to be a missionary. And to go and do apostolic work. Because he followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. He did not know from the beginning. When he was in Jerusalem. What was going to happen. For sure he did not know that he's going to end up in jail. Together with Paul. And put in shackles. Because I have a feeling that if he knew that. He might not have gone on that trip. And isn't that so. That if we had known everything. Will not go on the trip. If somebody prophesied to us everything, every detail, we would not go on the trip. That's why, that's one of the main reasons why we prophesy in part. Why the Lord comes and gives us a hint, a foretaste of future glory. It's kind of like the bait. When you go fishing, he catches us with the bait, but then some scales have to come off. Some things from the inside need to be cleaned out. 
You can tell that I can cook fish. I do it. I learned how to do it. I was a college student. And the family that we were renting from, me and my sister, the man, he was a fisherman. He enjoyed fishing, and I liked fish. So the deal was, Miha, you go and you help with cleaning the fish if you want to eat fish. So that's how I learned to clean fish. And I think that the Lord knows what the bait is for you and what the bait is for me. And he leaves all of these other details out in a very convenient way. I definitely believe that none of us would marry (laughs) if we fully knew what was going to wait for us on the other side. Now my husband is going to have a discussion with me at the end of the church service today. We prophesy in part. We know in part and we prophesy in part. In Acts 20, the book of Acts has so much to teach us. In verse 22, Paul has a discussion with the elders of the church in Ephesus. While he's in a different town and tells them. And see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city. Saying that chains and tribulations await me. So there is a prophetic word that I get everywhere I go. It's a really wonderful word. (laughs) This is what Paul is saying. I'm going to get in trouble when I get in Jerusalem. So that's the prophetic word that I get in every city where I go. But the thing is that that's all that I know. I don't know the other things that are going to happen. It says, I, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Still, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. I, I have a desire in my spirit. I have a An awareness in my spirit that I'm supposed to be there. Everybody was crying. Everybody was praying. They they didn't try to manipulate Paul with their tears. I think sometimes women use tears for that. Just saying. I'm a woman. I can say stuff like that. Amen. (laughs) Um. They didn't try to stop Paul, but they were telling him kind of like, are you sure? Are you sure? We really like you. We don't want you to have persecution and chains in Jerusalem. Then he keeps on going. And we see further down in Acts 21 that he ends up in Tyre on the way to Jerusalem. Stays there for seven days. And he finds his disciples there in verse 4. They told Paul through the spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. That's an interesting word. Because he guessed it prophecy. We're learning about prophesying in part. He guessed this prophetic word. This is what's going to happen in Jerusalem. Chains, persecution. Now disciples tell him do not go. Up to Jerusalem. But in his spirit. He felt like he should go to Jerusalem. That he was supposed to be there. Even though there was going to be persecution in Jerusalem. 
they prophesied in part. They had an awareness. They could feel that something was going to happen there. But they didn't know what the Lord had spoken to Paul about his trip to Jerusalem and then his trip to Rome. He ends up then in Caesarea, in the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, stayed in the same house with him. These evangelists had four daughters, they all prophesied. And then a prophet by the name of Agabus comes, takes Paul's belt and tells everybody in front of everybody, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now Agabus was a mature prophet. When there was going to be famine in the whole world, he went to Antioch and told this prophetic word in front of the church, there's going to come famine. And then the church put up an offering that they sent to Jerusalem to help poor people. So Agabus comes and says, this is what's going to happen to the person that owns this belt and did not say, don't go there. We do not need to add to the word. We don't need to add our own interpretation, our own desire, our own expectation to what we feel the Holy Spirit is speaking. He said, this is what's going to happen. And he left it with Paul. For Paul to make a decision. Because prophecy is not to manipulate. Prophecy is to warn. Prophecy is to confront at times. Prophecy is to encourage, to build up. But it's always about the person's choice. And their own walk with the Lord. We only know in part. We only prophesy in part. And Paul still went to Jerusalem. He was in Jerusalem for days. He stayed there for a while. Went to the synagogue. Went to the temple. And only after several days. That prophetic word came to pass. You know it all started actually. With a desire that he had. That we hear about in Acts 19 in verse 21. When these things, after in Ephesus, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. He had a purpose in the spirit. To go to Jerusalem and to go to Rome. It was, he was compelled by the Lord. Later on we find out that the Lord speaks to him. You must stand before the Caesar. You must preach the gospel in Rome. He writes a letter to the Romans. That's a wonderful, a beautiful letter. And everything came to pass because he had a purpose in the spirit. He felt that was his calling. The prophecy came alongside. Just to let him have some glimpses. In what was going to happen to him. We prophesy in part. It says in the book of Proverbs in chapter 3. In verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. He will give you direction. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. In Proverbs 22 in verse 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. It has to do with humility. It has to do with us humbling ourselves before the Lord and say, We can only prophesy in part. We like to train people in the prophetic back at home. We enjoy the prophetic ministry. And we want to see people rise up in that gift. Because the Bible says to pursue love and be hungry for spiritual gifts. But especially to prophesy. So that the church of God can be built. And we help people so that they can hear the voice of God. But just because... We heard his voice. We had a dream. We had a vision. We had a prophetic word. A word of knowledge about somebody or something. It doesn't qualify us to be experts in everything. We really aren't experts in everything. If somebody needs surgery, we'll pray for them to be healed. And if that person doesn't get healed in church, we'll make sure that that person goes to the hospital because we believe that God can use doctors, that he gave them wisdom to help people. We only know in part. We only prophesy in part. We don't have every detail of everyone's life. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. And in the book of Ephesians In chapter 4, when it talks about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, says here in verse 16, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every part supplies. Every part brings something so that the church is built up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. At the end of the whole pandemic, many people will have to eat a big slice of a humble pie. Because we give our opinion way too quickly. And we say too quickly, this is what the Lord spoke to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 11. But one and the same spirit works all these things. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. And I like to close in the book of Matthew in chapter 11. There's a lot that we can talk about prophecy. A lot that we can talk these days about prophecy. When there's many teachings all around us about the end of times. 
or what's going to happen next and soon. And I wonder, are some of those people going to repent? Going to humble themselves before the body of Christ and say, I was wrong. In the book of Matthew chapter 11, in verse 25, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. He hides things from those that consider themselves wise and knowledgeable. But he reveals them to babes. I want him to reveal his mysteries to me, to our church body, to people that we serve. Because the hidden things belong to God, but the revealed things belong to us and to our children. But there is a key here, the way that we can get revelation from the Lord for life. It says that we need to become like children. They acknowledge they don't know. They are open-minded. And uh, they understand that their parents know a little bit better than they do. It's not easy to pastor a church through a pandemic. Just saying. I know from our own experience. I had somebody tell me, I don't believe that COVID exists. Somebody else said, Psalm 91, nothing will harm me or anyone in my family. And I said to this girl, to this lady, and I had a conversation with some people, and I told them, you need a now word from the Lord. This is, okay, this is Logos. It needs to become Rema. Just because it's here, it doesn't mean that it's for now. And it's for you now. You need not a general word. You don't need presumption. You need faith. And there's a fine line between presumption and faith. It's a very fine line. I'm going to share with you a testimony that might be a little bit shocking. At the beginning of the pandemic, 2020, we were in Asia, in Cambodia, and the Lord spoke to me. I was praying about what to share in that church at the conference that we had there. So I was in Asia, and the Lord woke me up early in the morning, speaking to me from the time when Paul was beaten by the snake on the island of Malta. And the question was in my spirit, why did God allow such a thing? How can an apostle be bitten by a snake? Aren't we supposed to be protected from everything and anything? And the Lord told me, even though the snake will bite you, there will be no poison left in your body. I went back home. I had no idea that COVID was already around. 
My mom called me when I got home and asked us, are you healthy? Are you well? And I said, why are you asking me such a thing? And she said, because of this disease that's in Asia. You're coming from Asia. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Remember, we only know in part. And I went to our church and I said, this is my perception from our, for what the Lord has spoken to me about this. That even though I'm going to have COVID, now there's not something the church wants to hear, that their pastor is going to get COVID. Christians believe that nothing bad will ever happen to the pastor. And uh, I told them that nothing, there will be no, nothing left in my body. And they came to me one after the other and said, I'm never going to get it. Nobody in my family is going to get it. And the problem was that she went home, brought all of her family together, and told everyone in her family, well, none of us is going to get it. Psalm 91, no matter what our pastors are saying, we're not going to get it. And we can do whatever we want. It's not going to touch us. And soon enough, she got it. Her parents that were older got it and became, they became very sick. And her mom passed away. She's still recovering. Right now, this lady from the disappointment. And I think that we need to get humble before the Lord. Not be presumptuous. Receive a word from God about what's happening and truly get on our faces before Him so that He will speak to us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Rema word of God. Not the Logos word of God. The Rema word from the Lord. And as He speaks that word, He will lead me with that word no matter what I'm going to go through. And I will know in my heart for sure what's waiting for me on the other side. Because he spoke to me. This is what he said. The Lord said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. And this is what seems good in his sight. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. How many days did Jacob wait for his mom to send that word? When did he lose hope? Or was it really a day when he lost hope? I don't know if he ever lost hope. I'm sure it was very hard for him not to be at home with his family. But when he went back, he was a changed man. 
He was not a proud son that used his brother, took advantage of his brother, stole from his brother. No matter what we think of Esau, Jacob was bad. And he treated his brother wrong. Used his brother's vulnerability, his hunger. Pretended to be his brother. Deceived his own dad. When he went back, he was a changed man. It says in Genesis 33, that when Jacob was getting ready to, his, to see his brother Esau, Esau was coming with 400 soldiers, 400 warriors. And Jacob crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. This is a changed man. This is a humble man. This is not a guy that used his brother before. He bowed seven times before Esau. And do you know what he did? He lied down on his face seven times before his brother. When we are ready to humble ourselves... God is going to bring reconciliation in families. When we are ready to humble ourselves, God will lift us up. When we are ready to humble ourselves, and that seven is like a complete, complete humility, a complete change that happened in Jacob's life. I believe the Lord is calling His church to that place where we can say, I'm sorry. I treated you wrong. I'm sorry. I only knew in part. I only prophesied in part. And I'm still learning. What did Esau think? Seeing Jacob. Bowing before him. I'm sure it melted his heart. He probably would have never imagined. His brother. Being on his face before him. But the day is coming for change, for humility, for us getting on our face before the Lord and in fact before each other, so that we can be lifted up, reconciled, grow together in the fullness of what God has for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're touching us and teaching us. And we're going to come humbly before the Lord we need to learn so much more we need you more than ever sometimes we get to places in life when we think that we have arrived but we have yet to learn and we're so far so far from where we really thought that we were we want you to teach us disciple us train us for the work of ministry And Father, we want to just be respectful of each other. And we want to say thank you. That we have rules and regulations and things that we can do that will humble ourselves really. Will help us to take off the scales from the fish and the insides that are just not necessary. We thank you Holy Spirit for doing 
a wonderful work in our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. He calls us to learn from Him. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He said, I am humble and lowly of heart. (laughs) The one who is humble and lowly of heart calls us to himself that we would be taught of him and taught by the spirit of God to say, teach me, Holy Spirit. I need your teaching during this time. I need your leading. I need your guidance more than ever before. (laughs) Holy Spirit, lead me. I'm a son of God and I want to be led by the Spirit of God. Every area of my life. Oh, like the people prayed. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. (laughs) Lord, that is our prayer. We humble ourselves before you. When we don't know what to do, you always know what to do, Jesus. And you can show us and you can lead us and we can, you can guide us. I just want us to worship the Lord together for a minute. Let's just worship him, exalt the king in our midst. Here I am, down on my knees again, surrendering all. Surrendering all Find me here Lord, as you draw me near I'm desperate for you Desperate for you I surrender I surrender I want to know you more I want to know you more I surrender I surrender I want to know you more Mercy and grace unfold a hunger and thirst, hunger and thirst with arms stretched wide. I know you hear my cry, speak to me now. Speak to me now, and I surrender. 
I want to know